You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. Well, we started a series last week that we've entitled Generosity. And, And here's the big overarching principle, is that Citizens Church, you are a part of a church that is making a difference. Amen. Oh, come on, where are you at? We don't have Pastor Trey and Kayla here today. They're on vacation, and you guys, the rest of y'all can lean in. Ernie, where are you at? Come on, we're part of a church that's making a difference. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I love what we saw God do through, uh, through Share the Love as a church. I keep bragging on you. I mean, over 300 volunteers and, and all the different ministries we went to and were a part of the different service projects, over 14 different service projects. And I, I just love that we're, we're making a difference. I, I love the fact that I can look back at a, at, a, at a church that, and I can't wait to celebrate for a 10-year anniversary, but a church that's seen, seen well over 2,000 people make commitments to Christ, over 1,000 some people have been baptized in our church. I, I just love that we're, we're, we're making a difference. I, I love hearing the stories, and we're going to share some with you uh, over the next several weeks and months of, of lives that God has touched and changed through, through this church. And I just want you to know you're part of a church that's making a difference. We take it very, very serious. We're not here just to hang out. We, matter of fact, we, we, if you go to our, our Next Steps class, you're going to hear us talk about we don't. We're not here just to hang out. Uh, we're not just here for the people who are here. We're here for the people who are not here yet. And, and we're called to be on mission to, and, and to reach people, to touch and to change a city. And I believe that we are a church that is going to leave a legacy. That, that when we're gone, like you and I are gone, people are still, like there, there's something here that outlasts us, everybody. That, that we've laid the foundation for the next generation to run further and farther than we ever could on our own. That, that God is using our time here to set up what he's going to do way over there. And so I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of what he's doing in the here and now. I, and I want to be a part of something that, that is beyond everything I'm in the midst of here and now. And I just love the fact that we're a part of a church that's got, we've got vision. Some say we got vision. We've got vision. Because, I, mean, I, I think the best thing a church can do, the best thing people can do is to get on page with, with God's heart. And God's heart is to, is to reach lost people. Jesus says, I'll leave the 99 to go after the one. And he says, when that one comes home, there is more joy, more joy in heaven. There's more joy. And so our eyes are always on the ones. Our eyes are always on reaching lost people. And, and we are going to, and we are as a church, going to leave a legacy. I, we're going to brag on it next week, but just all of you online. Do you guys know online, our, our audience online uh, over the last month has gone from about 1,000 people that are with us on, uh, not uh, in subscribers on our YouTube channel to over, what are we at, 21,000 in the last, come on, I'm, I'm sharing stuff from next week. But that's insane. And the, the hundreds of you right now that are watching and connecting with us online, I love it. We're seeing people come to Jesus online. Okay, so that's all next week. What I'm trying to do in this series is connect the dots between the legacy we're going to leave and the way that we need to live. When you understand the legacy you're going to leave, the the, the change you're going to be a part of, when you understand what it is God wants to do uh, in your life and and you you get clarity on the legacy you're going to leave. I I think a lot of people are afraid to think about their last days. I think a lot of people are afraid to think of what are people going to say at my funeral. I need you to think about what people are going to say at your funeral. I need you to think about the legacy you're going to leave. Because if you, if you could get clarity on what people are going to say about you at your funeral, if you get clarity on the legacy you're going to leave, it gives you clarity on the life you're going to live, right? 
You live a different life when you've got clarity. So we're living a different life. And a, a life that leads a, leaves a legacy biblically, listen, there's, there's, there's only a handful of, of principles in Scripture that, that point to legacy living. There's like three, and one of the major ones is this one, generosity. It's the generous life that is a legacy life. It's a, it's a generous life that changes lives. It's a, it's a generous life that leaves an impact. For God so loved the world, what'd he do? He gave. He, he was generous. He, 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 he gave to creation. By the way, God is, God is the ultimate giver. Amen? Like, you think about it. He gave us creation. He gave us his word. He gave us, he gave us his son. His son gave his life. Jesus ascended to heaven and gave us his spirit by which we now have the power to live the life he called us to live. He gave us a commitment. God just gives and gives and gives and gives. And then he turns to his creation. He turns to those that he's given to. And he says, now your job is to do what I've been doing. And it's to, someone say, give. There's just this heartbeat of generosity. Because when God sent out to change humanity's trajectory... He was generous. He did it through giving. And when we set out to change trajectory, we do it through generosity, through generosity. And so we've been learning in this series about generosity. And I want to take you to one of my favorite passages when we talk about generosity. And that's over in the book of Matthew, chapter 25. Matthew, chapter 25, verse 14, says this. Um, it tells us about a, a master who's getting ready to go away on a really long trip. And as you read this, you start to connect the dots that maybe Jesus is talking about himself and not just a master who actually uh, was rich here on earth. And so he's connecting the dots. He goes, I want you to see this. what the kingdom of God is like. He actually says that right before this passage. He says, the man who had received, he, it, it, do we have the verse before this or no? We don't? Let me tell you what's happening before this. The master hands out bags of, of gold. Someone say bags. Bags. And he gives one five bags. He gives another three bags. And he gives another one bag, okay? And he, and he tells them to look after what he's entrusted to them until he comes back. Someone say entrusted. So entrusted means it's not yours. I'm giving it to you, and I'm expecting you to do with it what I would do with it while I'm gone. You've been entrusted. In the same way, we've all been entrusted, right? What I have is not mine. God gave it to me, and he expects me to use it in the way that he desires me to use it until he comes back. I've been entrusted, okay? And so we've been given uh, uh, these abilities. We've been entrusted from God with, well, some have five bags, some have two bags, some have one bag. Well, it tells us this, that the man who had received five bags of gold went out at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags went and, of gold went out and, and, and gained two more. Then it tells us this. I think our verses got mixed up. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants together. Here's what I was looking for. Entrusting them, someone say entrusted, entrusting his wealth to them. To the one, he gave five bags of gold. To the other, he gave two bags. To the other, he gave one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on the journey. Then go back to that first verse. But the man who had, there you go, the man who received five bags of gold went out once, put it to work. The man who received two bags went out, put it to work. Gained two more, go to the one man. Watch this guy. 
guy with the one bag, but the one who had received one bag. Someone say one bag. Dug a hole. Dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, someone say long time. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So here's what's going on in the story. Master's going away and he says, okay guys, listen, you're getting five bags, you're getting two bags, and you're getting one bag. What we are to understand from this parable that Jesus tells is that all of us have been given something. All been given something. And we're meant to do something with the something that Jesus has given us. Well, it tells us that the guy with the five bags, he goes out and he makes five more. The guy with the two bags goes out and he, he makes two more. And it, and it tells us that, that the, the, the guy with the one digs a hole and he puts his bag in the hole. Well, after a long time, the master comes back. Let's read it in verse 24. It says, then the man, the, the, the master comes back and, and he, he, it says that the man who had received the one bag of gold comes to the master. So the guy with the five comes and he goes, he goes, you gave me five and I brought you five more. The guy with the two says, you, you, you gave me two and I gave you two more. But I want you to see the guy with the one bag. The guy with the one bag comes to the master and says, master, I knew that you were a hard man, that you harvested where you have not sown and you gathered where you have not scattered seed. And he goes on to say, so I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. Someone say, I was afraid because it's important to understand. So I was just worried. I was just like, I didn't have a lot. And I was like, if I, if I, I don't want to lose what I have. And so I'm going to bury it. You see, I was, I was afraid. And so I dug a hole, you see, and I, I put it in the ground. See, see, here's what you gave me. Here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, watch this. You wicked and lazy servant. Well, that's not very nice. You, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and I Gather where I have not scattered seed. You knew that about me. Then he goes on to say this. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit. You should have put my resource to work with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. I want you to notice something. The master is not mad at the servant because he did something immoral. He's not mad at the servant because he did something illegal. He's frustrated with the servant because the servant didn't do anything with what the master gave the servant to do stuff with in the first place. He's not frustrated that the servant, you know, crossed lines in his life while he was gone. He's frustrated that the servant didn't put what was given to him to work. He didn't invest what was given to him. So there's a couple things that are clear from this illustration that Jesus uses. One is this, I want you to understand this, is that we all have been given something. So here's a question you need to ask yourself. Every one of us need to ask ourselves, what have I got? Come on, write that down. What have I got? See, because you all got Something. See, some of us got, some of us got the, the five bags. Some of us got two bags. Some of us got one bag. Some of, some of us are five baggers. But two baggers. But, but here's the thing. We've all got something. Like, so you've, some of us have a, a, a certain amount of time or time left. 
Some of us have a certain amount of uh, level of education. Others of us have a certain level of influence. You have a job. You have a career. See, what have you got? You have a certain measure of financial resource. What, what have you got? You have some of you, 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 the gifts you have, the talents you have, the, the skills that you have. Some of you have a certain measure of health, a certain measure of, of experience. Come on, what do you got? Some of you have a story. You know, you, you got a story, and it's unique to every single one of us. All of us have a story, and our story's different than my neighbor's story. It's, it's different than the person sitting behind me's story. And so all of us have some. Some of you need to pay attention to that thing that makes you you. You know what I'm talking about? It's just like that thing God gave you, it makes you you, and, and that's what God has entrusted into you. It's just the you-ness, and it's unique. And God, said, God says, I've given this to you, you see? And God, God, it says in heaven, it says that in heaven, he's handed out, he's passed out, you know? Okay, you're, you're a five-bagger, and you're a two-bagger, you're, you're one, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pass these things out. And the Bible actually says that he, he has um, distributed the gifts. He's distributed them as he wills. Because we go, well, God, why did he get five and why did he get one? Why did I get one? God says, I, I passed them out as I will. I passed them out as I will. And I need you to understand this. There's this sense that all the things that we have are all things that have been entrusted. Someone say entrusted. They've been entrusted to me. God says, I'm, in, I'm, I'm going away. For a long time, I'm giving you these things, and I, ex I expect that while I'm gone, you'll use what I've entrusted into you, okay, to do what you're expected to do with what I've entrusted to you, okay? So what have I got? What have I got? What have I got? So ask your neighbor. Say, what do you got? What do you got? Come on, ask him. Say, what do you, what do you got? What do you got? Okay, so what do we got? Now, now watch. The next question is this. It's not just what do, I, what do I have or what do I got. It's watch, what am I going to do with what I've got? Now watch, listen. That's actually the more important question. It's, it's far more important than the first question because what's clear from Jesus' story is that what we've got is not nearly as important as what we do with what we've got. And that's so important because when the master came back, his question wasn't what they had to begin with. The question is, what did you do with what I gave you to begin with? His question wasn't, oh, were you a five-bagger? Remind me. Were you a one? Did you just have one back? Remind me. I can't remember. No, his question was simply, what did you do with what I gave you? And, and to the master, it was far more important than what they had to begin with. And, and that is so important to understand because I think some of us might not like what we got. Some of us compare what we've got. Well, if I had what they had, then I would be super generous. If I had what they had, well, then I would use my talent to do this. And, and if, if God had given me their story or, or, or their, if I had their kind of family growing up and if I had that kind of security, then, then I can do those things. But friends, listen to me. There is a sense in which God has entrusted you with what you have because there's a story he wants to tell through you that he's not going to tell through you unless you're live. Come on. Isn't it interesting that the, the, the stories we love to tell are not the stories of here was a guy that was born into all sorts of success and had everything going for him. And he continued to have everything going for him for the rest of his life. We're like, boring. Good for him. Good for her. We like the stories of, have I told you about this one? 
born with nothing, father left when they were young. Come on. But against all odds, they took what they had, they invested in others, they built and they built, and they didn't, they didn't allow bitterness to set into their heart. They didn't allow society to crush them. They, they continued to be filled with hope and filled with joy. They, they continued to pour out more than they were bringing in, and they, they continued. And now look what they have done. And we tell the stories of the Oprahs and all the rest of why, because they're stories of rags to riches, stories of, of little one-bagger. Not going to bury it, not going to put it in a hole. Not gonna, I'm just going to use what God has given me. And so the second question is far more important than the first question. What have I got? What am I going to do with what I've got? Because it's that second question that God actually holds us accountable to. When the master comes back, that was his question. God here is challenging us to stop comparing. Can I say it? Stop complaining. It's stop comparing, it's stop complaining, it's, it's stop burying. You know what the one-bagger? Well, that's all I get, so I better not lose it. It's gonna put it in the hole, bury it, and when he comes back, I'll give him what he gave me, you know, I'm gonna bury it. It's gonna, you know, it's like that mentality. I'm not gonna be that. God, he gave me one bag? Maybe it's because you trust me more. Maybe it's because you know I could do more with one bag than that fool can do with five bags. Maybe, maybe because I need the one bag, because it's, the, it's, the, it's out of the lack that I'm going to be more aggressive than somebody. Come on. And just, it's just a mentality shift, you see? It's a mentality shift. And so what do I have, and what am I going to do with what I have? Well, you're going to, according to Scripture, what God intends you to do with what you have is to live a generous life. And so here's, the, here's what he says is that, the generous life, the way you're supposed to live with what you've been given, the generous life is an invested life. I'm gonna give you a couple things really quick. First one, write it down. How do I do most I can do with what God has given me to do it with is that you live an invested life. A generous life is an invested life. Invested, it means this. To invest means that to give what we have with the expectation of greater return. Invest. I'm gonna give what I have with the expectation of greater return. It's giving something toward the growth of something. And the master, through investment, expected them to grow what they had been given, to expand what they had been given by investing with what they had been given. We all wanna grow. We all wanna see the future brighter. We all want things to get better. We want the marriage to grow, the business to grow, the finance to grow, the church to grow. Come on, amen. We all want things to grow in our lives, to get better in our lives. Do you know how growth takes place? It's called investment. Listen, understand that with everything God's given you. If you want to see a better tomorrow, your better tomorrow is directly tied to your investment today. You won't see, a, you won't see the marriage strengthened without investment today. You, 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 you won't see your business grow without investment today. You don't see the, the church grow and reach more people without investment from people and their time and their talent and treasure today. It, it's, it's, all a, it's all just a pipe dream unless we're, Investing today, does that make sense? So if I want my children to do better in the future and have, a, have momentum and a bright future, well, I have to understand if I want that for them there, I've gotta invest in them right here. And if I don't invest in them here, they may never see that there. And so I gotta wake up when they're little 
and they're screaming, and someone's got to go in and, and feed them. I, 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 I got to show up when, when they're making bad decisions, and I need to sit them down and love on them. I, I got to be involved and make, someone say investment. Investment. And you see, you need to understand that because what you have cannot create more. It cannot grow. It cannot produce unless you give, unless you're generous with what you have. You invest what you have, your time, your talent, your treasure, your story, your, your resource. Your, you've you got to take it and invest it into the children, into the marriage, into the, into the things that God's called you invested to. It, this is making sense if anything's going to grow. And I, I, I bring it up. It sounds like it would be, well, everyone knows that, Pastor Chris. No, not everyone knows that. Somebody buried their bag. A buried bag never grows. I don't care how much you water it. It's a giving out of the bag that produces growth. An invested life. And it's what the master expected from the servants who were stewarding what God had given them. Do you know that everything we've seen and been a part of of this church is built through investment of people in this church? I mean, I just brag on, you heard me this morning talking about the lives that have been changed, the marriages healed, the communities reached, the thousands of decisions for Christ, the thousands of baptisms, all the things that God has done in our midst, I'm telling you this, has been built on the investment of people in this church making it happen. Can someone thank God for our C team that makes this happen every single week and all the people who've given? It's just, it's investment. I'm just trying to connect the dots. And, and you've heard me talk about it before, but but. Everything we've done has taken investment. Everything we're going to do is going to take even more investment. And our lives run as a church and as individuals. Listen, look, come on. Your life will run at the pace of investment. Let me say that again. Your life will run at the pace of investment. Your marriage will run at the pace of investment. Your relationship with your kids will run at the pace. Your friendships run at the pace of your investment. You want better friendships? Invest in your friendships. Does that make sense? I just wish I had better friends. Invest in your friendships. Watch. This makes sense, everybody. Okay, good. Because the second point is this. If God calls us to run at the, or calls us to grow what he's invested in us, God expects us to invest it in other places. Well, where do I invest? So if God expects me to invest, where do I invest? It's a good question, right? Because how many of you know not all investments are created equal, right? So where do I invest? Well, let me read you a verse. Here's what it says in Matthew. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. In other words, don't live a life that is investing everything in this thing. See, this is a, let me, let me tell you what the earth is. Let me help you out. It's called temporal. What does that mean? And not gonna be here forever. It's a sinking ship, everybody. It's going down. So if you're a wise investor, you don't take your treasure and invest it into a sinking ship, right? And I tell you, hey, this is going, it's going real bad. It's going bankrupt. In a, you, know? you don't go, oh, good, let's put everything in it. So here's what Jesus says. Just, just think about, okay, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Don't do that. There's all sorts of mess here, okay? 
He goes on to say, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, in heaven, in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But I love that because he's going, don't invest in the temporal because it's all falling apart. Invest in the eternal. Invest in what is going to outlast this planet. Invest in what is beyond this place. You need to lift your eyes and get an eternal perspective and invest in eternal things in heaven. And then I love what he says, because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. Man, what, you want a bigger heart for the kingdom? You invest more in the kingdom. You want, and, and if I'm investing in the kingdom, my heart's in the kingdom. So where you, and it also goes the other way. You, where you're investing tells me where your heart is. It, it tells me what you care about. Like honestly, right now, you go, go back through your, your, even just your financial budget or where you, your time budget where you've spent your time, where you spend your money, where it tells me what you love, what you care about. And so Jesus is going, just make sure that you're not putting all your eggs in this basket because it's gonna be broken. It's all falling apart. You need to learn to get, someone say, an eternal perspective. So here's the question we, we need to ask ourselves. We're expected to invest what's been given to me into what will outlast me. So the question to me comes, how can I leverage? Think about this in your life. How can I leverage what's been given toward me or to me toward what will outlast me? So how can I, how can I leverage, how can I leverage my story into what will outlast me? How can I lever leverage my influence? How can I leverage my education? How can I leverage my job? How can I leverage my talent? How can I leverage my money? How can I leverage the resource? How, how can I leverage all the, that God has put in my bag, so to speak, what he's put on me toward what will outlast me? That is the way that a Christian is meant to see everything God has given them. It's, it's, it's how can I take this to invest in what's gonna last beyond this. Because I understand that there's a future. I understand that there's a heaven. I understand that this isn't as big a deal as that. And so now all of a sudden, when you walk into the office, that relationship with those coworkers is different than just a, my influence in their life isn't just to help this temporal time uh, be a whole lot of fun. It's gonna be a whole lot of fun, but I also want to connect you into some eternal truths. Because you see, I need to leverage what's in front of me toward what's gonna outlast me, what's in me toward what's gonna outlast me. And now, all of a sudden, everything in my life is seen that way. Because there's more, than go, more going on than what meets the eye here in the temporal. Okay, so God has entrusted me to be a steward. He wants me to invest. Where does he want me to invest? God wants me to invest in not the temporal, but the eternal, to get a, I call it an E-R-O-I, an eternal return on investment. Come on, amen? And that's where God says we need to live. So now the next question then is, is, is okay, so, so where do I invest? But now, help me with this. How much do I invest? Like, come on, how much time do I invest? How, how, how much money, how much, how much resource, how, how much do I invest? And for that, I'm gonna show you in 2 Corinthians. Everyone following me this so far? You've been given a bag, God's trusted you with it, you're gonna invest it. 
Where do I invest in heaven? Eternal, okay. No, I'm going. If you're me, I'm going, okay. How, how much? Like, just talk about, like, fiscal, financial resource. Like, going, God, I need some. Time, God, I, I, I gotta have some me time. I gotta have, what do I do? Like, how do I balance this out? Here's what scripture says to help you with that. Remember this. So when you, when you go to think about how much, how much time, how much, how much of my, what, how much, because you just need to remember, just keep this principle in mind. Here's the principle. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously is going to reap generously. So, when you go to invest, you just, you just gotta, here's what you do. He says, you picture yourself as a farmer. You wanna know how much to invest? Here, here, let me help you. Just picture yourself as a farmer. And as a farmer, you need to picture everything God has given you as this big pile of seed. Okay, everyone got that? Say yes if you're with me. Okay, you got that. Okay, everything God's given me is a big pile of seed. And I could do two things with the seed God has given me. Just two, some say two. Just two things you could do. I, I can grind it up and make, make bread for me to enjoy right now, or I can sow it into the field and raise a harvest for next year. So there's two, two things I can do. I can, I can grind it up and keep it for me, or I can sow it into, into the field in the, for, for a crop for next year. And so I've gotta make this decision, right? How much am I going to keep for me, and how much am I gonna sow into the field for next year? How much do I keep to make bread, and how much do I sow into the ground? I gotta have a little of both, right? I can't just sow it all into the ground because then I don't have any bread to help me through the winter. But I can't keep it all to myself because if I do, well then there's not gonna be a crop for next year to give me more bread for next winter. So I've gotta make this decision. And what he says is, just remember, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully or generously, you're going to reap generously. So you got Farmer Joe and you got Farmer John. Farmer Joel is a, well, he's a cautious farmer. He knows winter's coming, it's gonna be, gonna be a long winter, and he, he's gonna need a lot of bread. So Farmer, Farmer Joel says this, he says, you know, I'm gonna keep as much as I can and only set a little aside to sow. See, he's, he's close-fisted, he's sowing sparingly, he's, a, he's got a one-bagger mentality, like, I gotta hold on to this, I, I, I don't wanna let it go, I, 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 gotta, I gotta, gotta hold on. You see, it's a, it's a scarcity mentality, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Like, it's just not enough, not enough. And so, Farmer Joe, he's just gonna hold on. But then you got Farmer John. Come on, everybody loves Farmer John, right? So Farmer John, Farmer John is like, he looks at his same pile of seed, same size as Farmer Joe, but he looks at it and he says, instead of like Farmer Joe going, oh, there's not enough, Farmer John looks at it and goes, oh, thank you, God, for what you've given, and, and it's enough. It's more than, it's, it's, it's more than enough. Thank you, God. And, and Farmer John says, you know what? Um, summer's coming, and I, I, I want next year to have a larger harvest than I have this year. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna keep what I need. Just keep what I need. That'll suffice for the winter, and I'm just gonna sow everything else. You see, he's open-handed. He's sowing generously. Well, play it out. Same pile of seed, two different directions that end up producing two different outcomes, right? There's, their lives walk down two different paths. When summer comes, Farmer Joe, and harvest comes, Farmer Joe now has even smaller amount of seed because he only sowed a small amount of seed. And Farmer Joe looks and says, well, 
well, now my pile has gone down and it's been a terrible year. I, I have less than I, than I had last year. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Winter is coming. I, 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 I'm at a loss here. I, maybe I, I'm just going to keep as much as I can and only have a little to sow because I don't have anything but a little. That's, that's Farmer Joe. Come on, Farmer John. Farmer John looks at an increase and he says, thank you, God, for blessing me. I'll take what I need for winter and I'll sow everything else because what I sowed has produced more than I could ever imagine. And here's what I want you to see. A pattern. Two postures in life that lead to two paths in life. Let me say that again. All of us are living in one or two postures in life. And we're walking one or two different paths in life. And you see it. I could tell in conversation what path somebody's walking by the way they, um, by the way they see their life and they see their resource. You can tell. Come on. When you've been around someone generous. Come on. You've been to some. Come on. Tell me, like, you've been, you went and did Thanksgiving and you know it was a generous home or it was a, it was a stingy home. Come on. You know, you know the people in your life right now, when I say, tell me some generous people, you go, bop, 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 bop. And I say, tell me some stingy people, bop, 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 bop. I don't even know who they are, but here's what I'll tell you. These people have got a little more joy. These people, just life just kind of works. These people, it just kind of, why does it all feel like it falls into place? Why does it feel like life is just, these people over here, stingy? Man, it's just always falling apart. Everything they have just, just corrodes. Everything, they just like, they're just stingy. They might, even, they might even have more than others, but they are worse off than others. How does that happen? Stingy, 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 stingy. It's Farmer Joe mentality. Farmer John, come on. There's just generous generosity in their life. There's two paths, and all of us are on one right now. So what path are you on? This, I call, one of them is the, it's the scarcity mentality. You live life through a scarcity lens where you say, like Farmer Joe, I just don't have a lot. I don't have a lot to give. And, and if I give, here's, your, here's, how you see, here's how you see giving, scarcity mentality. If I give, I lose it. And now I have less. That's scarcity mentality. I don't have a lot. And so if I give out of my lack, I'm going to even have more lack. If I give, I lose it. I lose it. And you see giving as losing it. You see generosity, like I, I can't do that because I don't want to lose all that. That's scarcity mentality. Listen, there's also abundance mentality. Farmer John. Abundance mentality is, is man, what I have is enough. And, and if I give, I'm not losing it. If I give, I'm investing it. If I give, it's not ruining my life. If I give, it's investing in the future of my life. You see, what I give comes back to me. And it's just this abundance life. And God, watch, here's what he does, is he blesses the abundance mentality with more abundance. Why? Because he knows I'm blessing you to be a blessing, and if I can trust you with what I've put on you already, I can trust you with more, and so God continues to bless those who are blessing others. Why? Because they're blessing others. But this guy over here who gets blessed and just holds on to all of it, God says, but that's, I'm not going to bless that because it all, it all goes toward you. It's all, it's, do you see what I'm saying? There's, there's two mentalities. It's just the principle of sowing and reaping, and it works in everything in your life, everything in your life. If you 
are wondering what to do with what you've been given, you just picture yourself as a farmer. And you are going to choose to walk one of two paths, scarcity or abundance. What path are you walking? So am I close-fisted or am I open-handed? The close-fisted life will always feel like an ever-increasing amount of diminishing returns. Let me say that. It will always feel like an ever-increasing amount of diminishing returns. The joy fades, the frustration sets in, things spiral down, and some of us have come in here like that this morning. We have this closed-fisted life with everything God's given us. We just, we just, we just hold on, and we, we, we clench it tightly, and we wonder why we're more frustrated. We wonder why there's no joy, and we wonder, because we're just living this Farmer Joe life. But then there's this open-handed mentality, and things seem to build, and they strengthen, and they grow. They and they leave in their wake, lives touched and changed. There's fruit abounding so much so that others enjoy it. Man, I love being around generous people. It's fun. And Paul's point is this, as we close. It's not, because you could twist this, and you people are already starting to go, hmm. Paul's point is not give to get. Like, the more you give, the more you get. Ladies, the more you give, the more you get. Come on, let's give so we can get. No, that's not what he's saying. Matter of fact, when he goes on in this passage, he just picture yourself as a farmer. Here's what he says, watch. He goes on to say, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Don't you love that? God's going, I gave you that seed. He who provides Seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Why? Let's keep going. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Why does God give you more? Why, why are we giving? It's not to get. I give so I can give even more. That's what he says. I need you to get caught in this mentality. I'm gonna bless you so you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. He said, we're even, we've even been a part of the generosity that you've sown into others. So it's not, do I want more so I can have more? I don't want more so I can have more. I want more so I can give more. And God says, if that's your attitude, what you'll find is that you'll always have some to give because God says, I'm gonna bless you to be generous. Isn't it weird, like even with time, like you spend all your time holding on to it and it feels like you don't have time, but then you open up your time, I'm gonna make time, I'm gonna make time, I'm gonna make time for my spouse, I'm gonna make time for my kids, I'm gonna make time, and all of a sudden you got, I feel like I got more time. Why is that? Principle of sowing and reaping. I, I just don't got, I don't feel like I got a lot, I don't got, and I'm holding on, and now there's less than what I thought I had, right? But if I let go, if, I, if I'm generous, so the generous life, the generous life is an invested life. The generous life is a, is a kingdom life. Like I'm thinking about kingdom. It's things that all outlast me. The, the generous life is an open-handed life. I'm gonna close with this. The generous life is a miraculous life. It's a miraculous life. Because you, you live in a miracle. You, you live in God intervening. It's just, it allows me to be a part of the miracles that God wants to do around me. That, I, I can only experience that through generosity. You, you, you think about, think about the feeding of the 5,000, right? 
Do you know that when there was 5,000 plus women and children, so there's probably 15,000 people that have come to hear Jesus. And the disciples are like, Jesus, it's getting late. People are hungry. We should send them into town. Jesus, maybe they could hit Del Taco. Maybe they can, it's just because we don't have enough. We don't, we don't have enough. Jesus, we just don't got a lot. We can't feed all these people. I, I don't have enough to give. Like it's, they're, they're trying to be all Farmer Joe on Jesus. And Jesus is like, well, you give them something to eat. Well, gee, we just told you we don't have a lot. Be generous, guys, give. So they're like, Phew. and I think they went and found this kid that had his Lunchable. You remember him? He was a little Lunchable. And they found, they go, let's prove to Jesus how, how much lack there actually is in this bunch. Bring him that, it'll be a joke. Just bring him the Lunchable, like almost like tongue in cheek. Well, here's all we have, Jesus. What are you gonna do with this? And so they come to Jesus with their lack, with their little, with their not much. This is all we could scrounge together. We, we pulled the whole, we pulled everyone around, even this kid. Here's what we got. Jesus goes, perfect, great. He blesses it. That's a whole other message. He blesses it. He blesses what was given. He, he blesses it, and he says, now watch. You go and now hand out of your lack. You go hand out what I've put in your hands. That's now blessed, by the way. You gave it to me, you blessed it, now, now you go pass it out. So they're like, they're like, how's that even make sense? But at your word. Can you imagine being one of the disciples going up to the first person? Hey, just, just take a little. Here, just means you can take a little. Well, you're hungrier than that? Okay, okay, fine. Here, get up. You got half of it. I go to the next person, and then you take a little, and then you take a little, and then you look back down at the loaf that Jesus gave you, and you're like, wait a second, hold up, hold up. Wait, okay, you can have a little more. Okay, and now you could have a little more. And what started out is probably just scarcity. Here, just take it. Just only, I don't have a lot, right? Now all of a sudden they're like, no, and, and you take more, and, and you take more. How much you, you need more? Here you go. And all, they're handing out the other, all of a sudden, I, I think by the end of this, they were just so generous. They're just like, the people in the front probably did not get as much as the people in the back, everybody. Come on. And they're just generous and generous. You know what scripture says? Watch. At the end of that whole thing, the disciples come back up. How many disciples were there? Do you know how many baskets it says that they brought back overflowing? It says they brought back, guess, 12 baskets overflowing. Why? Now, we don't know exactly why, but I have my suspicions. I think Jesus is like, I want you to remember every one of you disciples, as each of you are carrying back baskets overflowing, 12 baskets, one for each disciple, to forever remember, to forever remember that in him it's always enough. And God just anoints the generous. Now, he could have fed those people in any way he wanted. Jesus could have said, you know what? You're right, they are hungry. He could have caused it to rain down bread from heaven and fish to swim up through the grass if he wanted to. But what did Jesus do instead? He chose to involve them in the miracle. He put them right in the middle of it so they could be a part of it. It wasn't just God sprinkling God dust on it and, and now everybody's fed. No, God said, I want you to be the means through which I work the miracle. And the generous life 
gets to just live in that miracle as we just continue to live this life of generosity that God has called us to live. What have you got? And what are you going to do with what you got? Church, someday Jesus will return and he'll ask us, what did you do with what you got? I don't know about you, come on, but I want to invest what we've got into seeing more lives change, to seeing people touched, seeing people healed, just to continue to trust God, watch marriages strengthened and children blessed. I, I want to live a life that, that people talk about is maybe just so giving, so generous. You know the first thing God asks us to give, if you haven't done it yet, is your heart. He's more concerned about this than anything else, is that you live a life surrendered to him. Church, would you pray with me? God, we thank you for all that you have given us and all that you've already invested into us. And God, you've entrusted us. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be found trustworthy. God, help us to care for the things you care for. And God, I pray for anyone right now, God, in this place, as we've been talking through this in this series about this principle of generosity that shows up all over your word. God, just anyone who struggled with this, God, I pray that you would set them free. When we talked about being close-fisted, we talked about being stingy, they just know in their gut that that's them. And God, I just pray that you would miraculously work in their life, God, to start trusting you with what you've entrusted into them, God, with just in every area of every area of their life. I, I pray even today with, with their time. God, I pray with their words I, I, that they would be generous. God, I, I pray that you would help them start to trust you in every aspect of their life. God, investing in eternity and not just in caring for themselves in the temple. So God, I pray there would be a shift right now, just a shift in people's hearts. And God, for those in here who have not yet given their life to you, God, I pray that right now would be their moment. That Lord, you would, you would change their life right now as they yield themselves to you. Listen, if you're in here and you've never committed your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now in this moment. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us, and the wages of that sin is death. And some of you right now are, are, are living in that separated relationship from God. Well, Jesus came and went to the cross, took upon himself what you deserve for your sin so you could be forgiven of your sin, washed and cleansed, so you could step back into the relationship with God that you've been created to have. Some of you need to do that this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to. What you're being asked by God to do is to simply turn to him. The word's called repent. It means just change directions. You were running to the world and from God, and now instead you're going to choose to run from the world and to God. And if you need to do that in here today, I want to give you an opportunity right now. I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer. You can have a conversation with God, and here's what you say. Come on, tell him. Say, God, I thank you that you love me right where I am. But I know that you've got more for me. And so today, I choose to surrender my life to you I ask that you'd forgive me of my sins, that you'd cleanse me and wash me. I thank you, Jesus, for rising again from the grave to lead me into life. And I pray that you would fill me with your spirit and, God, that you would help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good hearty. Come on, church, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. 
It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. 